And what's going on, everybody? Welcome. This is Loreforge Live, episode 10. We are in the double digits, and we are doing it live. We're live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash HQ. All our friends are here, and we are your hosts. I am Jibs, and I'm joined by Sonny. JB, this is not a test. This is real. It is pumpkin spice season. It is pumpkin spice season, bro. <laughs> I'm I, so excited. This is the best time of year. Do you, are you like me? Like this, this is the one thing you'll throw bows for. Like you're like, oh, pumpkin spice. I am unapologetic about my love for pumpkin spice. And I know that there is a person you're going to introduce next who's going to want me to apologize. And I'm not going to do it. That a boy. You stick to your guns. That's right. Our second resident <laughs> fireman. <laughs> Our good friend <laughs> from Cali Cash. Is this thing? Are we live? We're live, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Paper bag, bringing it back. Yeah, that's what we call a visual gag. (laughs) That was a visual gag. We have not done this in in a few years, and I this is like I've been thinking about this for at least a couple of weeks, and of course this morning. When I'm all excited about everything, I'm finally like, okay, we're, we're in our groove. We're going to do this. Like, this is a first live show. We're going to be live from here on out. I pop a zit. Wait, it's over here. Boop. It's, I pop a zit. <laughs> oh, look at my love, Mark. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grown-ass man, and I now have a zit. And and if you're watching this uh, on a VOD uh, or on our YouTube channel, then you can see it in 4K. Pretty much. Even better. Right. I remember right when I was there. 15. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember my first one, too. Oh, by the way, let me just mention the pumpkin spice latte thing. I expected nothing else, Sonny. And uh, I'm currently editing one of your videos uh, that you sent me, one of your five-minute opinions. And you very voraciously uh, brought up your pumpkin spice latte. And if you think that I am not going to take every liberty to F with you (laughs) over said video, you, sir, are in for another thing. The uh, the uh, the better half brought me the pumpkin spice that day. She came in. She knew that it was pumpkin spice season, and uh, I had not yet gone out and gotten myself one. And she came in with this thing, and I swear to you, a choir of angels descended on my head. <laughs> It was that kind of moment, and it was worth every sip. Oh, my goodness. You know what the best part of pumpkin spice season is? Is that it is a season. It is not all year long. So when it ends, you have to look forward to it for the next season. You don't get it all the time. It's not like sunshine in California or something like that. Like, no, this is a limited time thing. We really appreciate our pumpkin spice in the Midwest. Oh, yeah, bro. Mom always had a way of putting things, so I understand them. (laughs) And you know what? When you move to the Midwest, Baldy, guess what? You're going to love that. I can already hear now. Um, Can I have an Americano, please? That's a mini. And half the pumps, almond milk, and no whip. Uh, But put a scotch of that pumpkin spice. You know what's funny is that that being, I've been lived in Southern California my entire life. I was born and raised here. And I am so done with the hoity toity that there is here. Like, I don't, if I go to start, when I go to Starbucks, because I do go to Starbucks, I will never order a grande, a venti, or whatever the other thing is. I order a small, medium, or large, and every time, like clockwork, the barista corrects the size. Every time. Oh, oh, a grande? No, medium. 
<laughs> I'm that guy. You're so I'm stubborn. I'm sure they spit <laughs> my coffee every time. Oh, you are so stubborn. All right, gentlemen. Uh, so before we get started, I need to know, what have you guys been doing in gaming this week? Cash, I know that uh, the New World, the uh, brand new expansion dropped. Did you check that out? I did. I got a little bit of uh, game time. There was some pretty hefty cues, as we expected. But um, mm-hmm. it, once you were in... The game, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. I mean, um, it was very, in the quest hubs and stuff for the new expansion, it was just PvP land. Uh, so there were people everywhere, but I do have to say that I, I didn't have any issues um, other than that once I was in the game, so it was pretty cool. One thing I do want to mention is that the highlight of my week is that I got to be on Vladis's show. Just like both of you guys, we got to do Vladis's 1v1 podcast. And uh, I just want to mention you know what that is he i know he's in our chat that is a stand-up dude he is super professional he's an excellent interviewer and i know all three of us because we talked about it had an absolute blast on his show so if you haven't checked out vladis's 1v1 podcast for ashes of creation then go do it absolute professional i am floored by his quality and i said uh on the show i said is this your first is this your first podcast he said yeah I said, shut up. It's no way. Such, so much quality there. And uh, yep. just absolutely love his show. So yeah, everyone tuning in, make sure you check out Vladis's 1v1 podcast. Sonny, you were on it too. That episode was amazing. I had a lot of fun. Um, and he's just a, he's a pro. Uh, just a very fluid conversation with another content creator like that. And I have been in the journalism world since I was in college uh, whether it be podcasting or like actually working in journalism for TV stations and radio. And he's just effortless. He's just very, very good at it. And so it was a great conversation. But on top of that, like the thing is that some of these guys in the, in the content creator universe for Ashes of Creation, uh, these uh, men and women have been there for so long that their depth of knowledge is vast. They understand, you know, things that used to be a big thing that have kind of changed and and how stuff looked in alpha one versus now where we're at and and their ability to talk about it uh, is is incredible and so when they're able to have the kind of welcoming attitude to welcome new people like us uh, to the space it is really special so we couldn't have been happier uh, to do it and we're honestly not blowing smoke like when i came back i said you guys are going to love this dude. <laughs> and sure enough, you went on the show and they're like, we love this dude. It's like, I told you, like, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Uh, as far as for stuff that I've done this week in gaming, um, this very specific week, I, mostly what I've been doing is just hanging off very high ropes and getting sore <laughs> uh, in a... Uh, in a rope rescue uh, technician class that I've been doing all week. But when I have been getting a chance to game, there have been two things that I've been doing. One is Starfield. I've never been more mixed on whether or not to recommend a game to friends as Starfield. I don't think it's worth a full box price right now, unless it's like space exploration and Bethesda games is your jam, in which case you probably are already playing it. Um, But it just keeps evolving. Like it's so crazy deep and there's so many quests and things like that. It, it, it just, I just keep playing it and it just keeps reinventing itself. It feels like, so it's pretty cool. The other thing that I've been doing was I was playing uh, travelers rest, which continues to be one of those cool 
games on Steam that release early access and then just keep changing and getting better and better and better, which is kind of a new thing for this generation of games is that now people release things on early access and they just keep working on it for years while you're doing stuff like that. So I've been enjoying that. And, you know, while I play a game like Traveler's Rest on the stream on Twitch, I... I'm happy to answer questions about Ashes of Creation, and that's usually the tag that I go under. So that's kind of a nice wrinkle to it, too. You do know that by disparaging the box cost of Starfield, that when you fall asleep tonight and you finally hit that REM sleep, Todd Howard is going to levitate (laughs) into your room and give you a piece of his mind. That's how he does business. I'm pretty sure that Todd Howard might actually have the resources to do that at this point. (laughs) Uh, so I'm not going to I'm not going to entirely rule that out. <laughs> well, when that does happen, you make sure you ask him what the hell happened to the Dwemer. If you could get him like yeah. in a good in a good solid in a good solid like like chokehold. Holy God, big, are you, he's not are you John dude. Howard? <laughs> I got a friend that really wants to know something. <laughs> he's not oh. a big dude. So seriously, like just jujitsu, jujitsu him to the ground <laughs> and ask him about the Dwemer. Look, Todd, this arm bar is not going away until we get some answers about the Dwemer. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. That's good. Uh, I have been, my son and I have dove headfirst into Sea of Thieves basically started from nothing and just started playing it together and have been having the best time ever sailing the seas. And uh, they just did their community weekend event. And so made buku amounts of gold, son, eat your heart out. You're in the money making. But uh, anyway, it was just so, so much fun. That and playing a little bit of New World and, of course, watching all the things on Ashes of Creation that we are going to be covering today, gentlemen. So for everyone who's tuning in on the show, everyone who is here live, thank you again for hanging out with us. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a uh, dev discussion on basic attacks, alpha 2 date update, and then our impressions on the world event update stream. Dun, dun, dun. But before we get started, Cash has a special announcement. We do have a very special announcement. Uh, we alluded to it last week on the show and even the week before that. But this will be our official announcement for November 4th, our Extra Life stream. We are going to be doing something really, really cool. And what we're doing is a one-shot tabletop campaign using the Genesis system. Now, this Genesis system is very cool. I'm going to go into it in a second. But the kicker of this one-shot campaign that we're doing is that is going to be set in the world of Vera. (laughs) Yes. So we're really excited. Now, obviously there is not a format out there to do this. So we're going to have to get very, very creative with it. And that is what the Genesis system is going to allow us to do. If any of you are familiar with the work that we did on our wild space show, This is the same system that we use that gives us a lot of latitude to tell stories. So we are we're going to really concentrate on the storytelling part. Um, We're going to have two amazing friends join us, uh, Katie and Conniff, who are are two of our mods. They're in chat. They are going to join us on this adventure. And um, one of the best things that I think and one of the coolest things that I think is that um, every cent we make in donations to uh, Extra Life is going to be is going to go to Rady Children's Hospital, which is the children's hospital that is local to Intrepid's office 
in San Diego, California. So um, we're really excited about this. This is going to be pretty, pretty fantastic thing. And we hope you all join us on November the 4th. I can't wait for that. I have been, I'm your DM. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've spent hours and hours and hours working on this campaign. And I'm excited to see what you do and what I can do to make it that much more interesting for you. <laughs> he means painful. Yes, uh, actually. <laughs> Uh, I will say uh, something about that. The, the Fantasy Flight uh, Fantasy Flight Games is the one that came up with this system. They had a specific series for Star Wars, and uh, then they just kind of morphed the system. I'm not real sure which one it was, chicken or egg, which one came first, their Star Wars system or the Genesis system. But the Genesis system is basically the, the nuts and bolts of how they created their role-playing tabletop version of this. And it is a beautiful system for storytelling yeah it just is so good so it's not built on successes and failures you have successes and you have failures but there's more going on with threats and advantages and and stuff like that and so we always default to telling a great story versus getting tied up in the mechanics of something and it it just was so much fun during that whole run with Wild Space. And there's other podcasts that use it. Coruscant Nights is one of our favorites uh, that yeah. does that thing. And uh, it's just a great storytelling opportunity. So uh, we're really looking forward to having a lot of fun doing that with Katie and Conniff and just, you know, living in the in the world of Vera for a little bit on a totally different plain as far as uh, the gaming experience goes but that's what's great about mmos right they build worlds that you can live in in all sorts of different capacities so hopefully uh the ashes of creation game space is uh much like many other worlds that have come before them yeah i'm very excited to do this in the ashes of creation space and i can just see what jibs is going to be doing he's going to be he's going to be using the essence so we roll freaking natural ones the whole time and it's going to be like oh <laughs> sorry cash your character didn't make it through the portal you're out <laughs> sorry your leg didn't make it all the way through it out. turns out you're missing half your leg for the whole quest <laughs> you, you are a one-legged rogue congratulations <laughs> oh man that'd be awesome we should do that oh, i should yeah. do that we're doing that. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be. Oh, can you imagine starting that way? It's like, hey, I know you're planning on sneaking. I hope that you put some felt on the bottom of that peg leg of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, so, yeah, that's going to be an excellent time. So don't forget, you'll be able to uh, watch us live and it'll be such a good time for the kids, man, for the kids. All right. So, gentlemen, we're going to dive right in here. So dev discussion number 56 Basic attacks and combat rotations. This coming to us from the official Ashes of Creation forums. So for those of you who are listening or watching and you don't know what a dev discussion is, dev discussions are our chance as the community to participate in a conversation about topics that Intrepid's design team is looking for feedback on. This is an opportunity to have your feedback impact the direction of Ashes of Creation. So gentlemen, and we're going to start out with Sonny and just open it up here. How important is it for you to have basic attacks be a part of your combat rotation? I don't know if I'm <laughs> supposed to say this, but the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was talking to Vladis about this, and uh, it's one of those things where 
sometimes podcasts are just negative about everything, right? And mm. I don't I don't love those podcasts. I don't, yeah. It's exhausting to listen to those. And then sometimes you have the white knighting on the other side where it's just like, everything is amazing all the time. Mm. And then I think that the best podcasts exist somewhere in that middle area where you're still positive about things, but you, not everything is great. This is one of these things where when I read this comment, I'm like, no, like, I don't care. I do not care to do a basic attack in between things. Now, what I really specifically don't like is when I am forced to do basic attacks in the middle in order to make mechanics work in the proper way. That drives me crazy. But I think basic attacks are one of those things that are there to do when you don't have the ability to do anything else. Okay. When you don't have that ability, I, I, I just have never gotten down with that. Um, And it's specifically ESO that bothered me. ESO system of having to weave in those, those basic attacks and stuff just was something that my brain didn't like. I understood the concept. I understood what they wanted me to do. I just didn't want to do it. And, and that's just kind of my opinion on this thing. So the question, if they're asking, like, honest to God, for my opinion, like, how important is that? It's not important at all. Like, don't do it. <laughs> Get rid of it. I don't care. Um, I, this may not be a popular opinion, but that is my opinion on this. My thought on that is that um, I, I'm kind of with him on the basic the basic attacks and having to weave that in. In, in ESO, Elder Scrolls Online, it was a really, really big deal where you had to weave in a light attack in between each one of your abilities and i'm not kidding you like it was such a thing in that game that there were there was a a add-on that you could get that was a timer for your light attacks and it would like it would judge how good you were with your light attacks and that is the one game that i spent hours upon hours sometimes my entire play session would be at my house on a target dummy perfecting my rotation so just so that i could make a try an end game trials group and it drove me nuts and then conif had a really good a really good point he didn't mind the the light attack weaving but since he's played other games such as like guild wars 2 or world of warcraft where that is that doesn't exist then you know he he doesn't really miss it so my whole thing with having some kind of a basic attack, I do think there should be a basic attack, but I don't think it should be like pinnacle for your for the damage that you're you're putting out. Um, I just don't want to be a slave to that kind of mechanic anymore. But auto attacks do you know, like are we talking auto attacks or just like basic attacks like the ones that you actually have to click? Uh, I think it's or just I would just take it as it as it says. So just basic attacks. OK, so. I don't mind having some kind of an auto attack. I think that is fine because if, if you're on cooldown, then you can use them. Uh, so for me, it's really like I could take it or leave it. But at the same time, auto attacks can be very, very useful because let's riddle me this. Say I'm out in the middle of the world and I'm doing some stuff and all of a sudden I have to tinkle. I got to get up. I have to get up from my chair and I have to go. So if the auto attack function activates when something attacks me i at least have a chance to defend myself other than standing there like a target dummy for some mob (laughs) world is that really the best argument that you can have (laughs) no no it's not it's not but i did like 
like, okay, we'll say, we'll say Elder Scrolls Online, for example, right? Um, you had the ability to just like draw your bow back and just let it fly. That's it. And that would kill a lot of mobs. I mean, because I was the freaking Dovahkiin, so like that's a thing. But I was able to just, without even using any skills, just draw back my bow and let it fly as, as like a basic attack. That I, I do want. I want to be able to swing without using an ability. Or I want to be able to draw my bow and, and let one fly without using my ability. So I would say auto attacks I could kind of take or leave, but some kind of a basic attack that is, that's a spammable, that is not your main skills, there's no cooldown for it, those I do believe should be in the game. I think those are, you both bring up really, really good points. I think for me, whenever it comes to basic attacks, I'm okay with it. But it shouldn't take precedent over the overall experience that's happening in front of you. It shouldn't be your main priority when I'm trying to make sure I have good placement on A, the PvP battlefield, or B, in all the red that is happening because of that raid boss. Or that, you know, that in-game dungeon, whether it's a mythic or, you know, mutation if you're playing New World, whatever. It should not take precedent. Or it, it really, it shouldn't even be on the same level of importance as abilities. It should take a back seat, in my opinion. It shouldn't be near the front driving the car. It needs to be chilling in the back seat. Yes, it's there. You can use it, but it really shouldn't have a big priority. Now, the other side of that, the art, you know, I guess the devil's advocate could be like, well, what if I want it included in, in my game? Or what if I want to have it an innate feature and really push that? Well, like kind of like you guys have both said, we saw that in ESO. And I've said in a previous episode... I was not a good parser, but I could hold my own in a raid. I just, there's just something about that that I felt hindered from my experience because I couldn't, of a fr frustration of a, of a, not of a facility, but of a feature put in the game that is not allowing me to reach my max DPS because I can't get down the millisecond of my basic attack. So I see both sides of it. But for me, I think at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to not dominating my experience. So I want to ask you, Cash, this. Do you enjoy using, and this is the part two of this, do you enjoy using other skills and abilities in between auto attacks? Man, this screams ESO. <laughs> or are you having the most fun when basic attacks are less important to how much damage you're doing? I do, like, and here's another point, too, that I think e it even goes back to wrap up the other one, too, and then tie in into this question. I like using a wide range of my abilities, including a basic attack. And I think that might be because a lot of the classes that I tend to play have some kind of a builder skill. So you're using basic attacks to build up other skills that might not be on cooldown, but those skills get way more powerful when you've done, you know, two, three, four, five basic attacks before you fire off that skill. So, and that does maximize your DPS. So, and the one that I can think of the most is the rogue in World of Warcraft. I love that class. You love that class. Super fun, complicated class to play. But it was very, very fun to be able to use use those light attacks um, on speed, especially I like hit your slice and dice. And now you, like your light attacks or your your uh, basic attacks are just one, two, three, four, five. But you're building up those heavier finishers to use. 
with those lighter attacks. So I would say I like a really good mix of using regular abilities and light attacks. Like if I'm if I'm getting ready to evade or to to get away, um, you might take a couple like extra hits before you decide to like tuck tail and run or dodge or something else like that. So I, I like having the ability to use them. That is extremely interesting because I was going to use the rogue from World of Warcraft in the opposite argument on this. And I was going to say that that is the class that I think highlights why I don't like those kind of things. Because I feel like, first of all, I'm just going to get this out there. Parsing, hate it. I hate the whole concept of, of all of that stuff. I hate the listening to you describe sitting in your room and trying to get down that timer to get like an just eke out a percent of a percent better that sounds miserable okay <laughs> like, i'm sorry i don't know what kind of crazy pills you were taking at that time that you thought that this is the best use of your time but that is like the opposite of the mmo experience that i want okay it is it is nuts that people did that kind of stuff and and that was kind of a almost requirement for playing at that level in that particular game with the way that they had that that thing down. But the rogue for me in Warcraft was about situational awareness. It was about being in the right place at the right time and being able to unload on an unsuspecting person, take advantage of the situation. And if the tables turned, if the battlefield all of a sudden was there and you could not take out that person entirely, something happened, maybe some something you didn't expect was there, maybe another person was there, you had to you had to get out of there, right? Like that was more important. At no time was I thinking like, I gotta weave in my light attacks, and I gotta get this whole system going. And that to me is like this, this very like, un role play type of mentality. Whereas like the rogue to me was all about like, okay, how can I take advantage of this situation? And then I just go, and I just unload all the things all at once, right? Like it either lives at the end of that, in which case I'm like, oh, oh, vanish, 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 vanish immediately, like jump or he's like in a pile of dust in front of me, in which case I have accomplished the mission and I get to wear the Air Force jacket and have the banner on the carrier and go home right and all that stuff but it it is that character to me was was not about like light attacks and things like that it was just the way that i played it was it was all about the other side of that coin which is getting into the mindset of the character and playing it in the way that felt right to you which was not parsing parsing is like the anti the anti roleplay experience for me were you roleplaying in in battlegrounds <laughs> no, I'm just curious man. at this point. Well, maybe a little. Ask it for a friend. <laughs> I think that like there's something with MMOs that you just kind of. I'm not crazy. Like you do it, I do it, JB does it. We all gravitate to the same types of play style in every game that we play. This is not an accident. This is not an accident. When we try, we try, we try to go to other styles of, of play and we want to dabble and we want to see how it's like. And then eventually we get back to what it is. And, and I've, I don't know how many times I've heard JB say this. It's like, oh, it just feels so much more natural, right? Like that is, <laughs> that is what happens. And we do this all the time. So there is something inherently in us that wants to play these kind of 
these kind of classes and these kind of characters. So like, am I role playing? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. I love that. <laughs> We're over there trying to take Lumberyard and Warcraft. Sonny, what are you doing? And quotes, <laughs> picking up flower for my poison <laughs> rogue. <laughs> oh, I like what Ardeth says in chat here. He says, yep, that's what auto attacks are for. They weave your light attacks for you. It's autopilot for your light attacks. I'm for it. I see that a lot as well. Like both of both of what you brought up is exactly kind of how I feel. If there are builders where you're meant to do light attacks, builders and spenders, all for it. Love it. I love it. When it's also innately built into the class, like the rogue, like Sunny, you bring up, whereas that's where most of your damage is coming from outside of your burst. Absolutely. I'm all for it. It's when basic attacks go out of the way to present themselves as a function of the game that takes way too much precedent and truthfully way too much of your attention and ultimately takes you away from what's in front of you that I think I have the most issue with. And truthfully, um, I'm trying to think of a game that had a basic attack builders and spenders from an MMO standpoint. I mean, I know the warrior in Warcraft had builders and spenders, but that was more for... Uh, for uh, your abilities, I guess the rogue did too because your base. The rogue attacks, definitely had yeah. the rogue the, definitely had builders and spenders because it had that bar and you'd fill up the five circles and then yeah. you could go. And I think that some of like the paladin might have had some the stuff warlock, like that. Uh, warlock had it. Warlock. Okay, yeah. so there, there you go. Mm-hmm. And within that, to me, that felt way more natural because it wasn't in the way. It wasn't like putting itself up on a, a unnecessary pedestal that you must go master this thing for hours. I don't want to. I just want to play. <laughs> you know? So, anyway, that was a good discussion. I like that. So, gentlemen, some of the biggest news that came across, well, yeah, yeah, you could probably say this was top, tippity-top, cream of the crop for the past week. Alpha 2 date, gentlemen, is coming to, well... "Quote unquote date." We're on our way. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. <laughs> <laughs> Range of time. Range of time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so this coming to us from the September development update stream. Stephen and Margaret and the rest of the team that was there watching and on the video. Uh, this was revealed on the stream, and so we can officially say, Alpha Two is coming in 2024. Soon. Soon. <laughs> I wish I had a sound effect to play there just to emphasize it. TM. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to actually have a range of time at the at this point because mm-hmm. the last thing that was said about it uh, was that Alpha Two is not years away. Now that's about as freaking cryptic as you can get, but at least we knew it wasn't two years away. <laughs> so he, I'm sure that he sat in his office like, "What can I say that won't <laughs> give anything away about anything yet?" Alpha 2 is not years away. Brilliant. I love it. But now at least, he what he effectively said is that Alpha 2 will start in 2024. So we have a year. It could be January 1. It's not going to be January 1. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> it's not even going to be January 29th or 30th. It's probably going to be later in the year to give them the amount of time. They have given us a promise that Alpha 2 will take place in 2024. I fully expect them to take all the discretionary time they need to perfect systems, get things working correctly, do the spot testing with the with the uh, the test group, possibly with some of the Alpha 1 testers, and then start 
pushing towards maybe a quarter four um, release for Alpha 2. Yes. So they said that they're going to give updates uh, on the testing schedule and then what's going to be actually in Alpha 2 coming up. Uh, They will tell us a quarter uh, eventually on what's going on um, when it's a few months away. Now, that is, I think, fair. I I love this, right? I love the fact that they just said, okay, we're going to tell you that it's going to be next year. And that takes away a lot of the naysayers' ability to be like, this is vaporware, it's never coming out, blah, blah, blah. You know, okay, that's done. We're going to get this next year. And they wouldn't have put that out there if they were going to pull the rug out from under us. If they pull the rug out from under us and it ends up being 2026, then, you know, there's a, there's a fair reason, I think, to be salty. But it just seems like so unlikely at this point, right? We've seen assets. We've seen where it looks. It looks like it's ready for an Alpha 2 within a reasonable period of time. So I 100% believe them. There's going to be spot testing, um, and that is going to be in order of a couple things. It's going to uh, start with a very small group, and then it's going to go to Alpha 1, and then Alpha 2, some users will get a chance for that. Spot testing is not the same as Alpha 2. And so if you are able to be in the spot testing, that's awesome, good for you. That is going to likely be under uh, a heavy NDA. Spot testing typically is with that kind of stuff. Alpha 2 will not be an NDA, but if you're included in the spot testing prior to that, like we're not going to see it. We're not going to hear about it. And that's fair to me. Um, I, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind that at all. And uh, Alpha 2, again, the, the final note that they really said is that Alpha 2 is for people that are going to have access to Alpha 2 like that. That It should go without saying, but I'm sure that uh, that some people will be surprised when they can't play this game and they see other people playing it on Twitch. Alpha 2 was something that was Uh, a purchasable thing as a part of fundraising for the game. And so that is what it is, Uh, whether you agree with it or not, you know, I get it, but it is uh, part of the method of how you get a game like this, or at least how they have decided to fundraise for this particular game. Now I do have a question and I want to direct this question at Jibs because I think that I, I I just want to hear this from you right off the bat and then we'll go to Sunny on it. But number one, like what are, what are your thoughts? Are you super excited about it? And number two, what do you think Intrepid needs to do in order to lead up to Alpha 2? Like, what are the things you think must be in place? Mm, that's good questions. So, very excited about this. I think this is the first time since high school when I planned to be sick on a certain day when Halo 2 came out or Halo 3 came out back then that I'm planning to take time off. Substantial Nerd. time Absolutely. Substantial time off so i'm super excited about it and and right on the back of this steven announced today on twitter that they just completed a massive internal milestone and they flew people out the remote employees out and they've spent the week reviewing and planning so when you have something like alpha 2 this announcement even if it's a general or broad announcement regardless we have an announcement now we have a a place now where we can have a reference point like oh this is coming this is coming and you know and then you see the things that are happening with the company and and just the the party that they had and all these things it's very exciting to me i feel like for the i genuinely feel like in high school again except with a mortgage and all kinds of family fun things but you know like like i feel like halo 2 again i'll never forget you know it's getting ready to come out yeah go to gamestop yeah you know uh, day after school yeah you know whatever just all those things and it's it's just giving that vibe you know like i can't wait i can't wait 
for for it to come out. I'm I'm excited to test it. You know, we we have cash. You and I specifically bought into Alpha Two in 2020. Is it 2020 or 2021? So we've been wait. You know, like all this time, even when we were away from the game, and now here we are covering it again. Like it's been a long wait. And so to follow the, the development and Sonny, now that you're bought in as well with Alpha 2, the fact that we are all going to be able to play together. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And to answer the second part of what you're talking about, like what what does Intrepid have to do to to nail this? What do they have to do to lead up to this? The biggest thing, in my opinion, that they can do is keep doing what they're doing. And that is keeping transparency with their community. Keep maintaining that lifeline between the company and community. Keep that going. Keep that conversation going. Be very open. Avoid any misunderstandings from a marketing standpoint or from any maybe one-off comments in a uh, accidental one-off comments in in an update stream. Try to avoid those things as much as possible and just be transparent. Sonny, what do you think? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the fact, like I said, that there is a there's a concrete timeline on this thing. Um, I it's hard for me to get like super excited because I just have no idea when it's going to come out. Um, but I, as it approaches and as they they get to that point, I will become increasingly excited um, because I'm I, I want to try this thing out now. Having said that, I'm going to make the exact opposite argument to my first statement, which is that I'm excited to try this out in that I think that the best thing that they can do during this Alpha 2 period is to test the things that need to be tested because this is a period that is not open beta, right? Open betas now have evolved into their own thing where people expect polished games during betas fair or unfair that is kind of where people are and they will judge and they will they will write about the game as though it is a completed product when it is an open beta now an alpha should definitely definitely not be that right this is you are you are not even to that phase and so what i want them to do during this time is take advantage of the people that want to be part of the testing process that really want to try some of these systems out and don't be afraid to like do rebuilds. Don't be afraid to knock things down. Don't be afraid to change things. Don't be afraid to use us as testers for this game to make the game that you want, right? I think it would be a mistake to try to let this Alpha 2 be a marketing opportunity for the completed game. And I don't think that that's really where they're going, but if you understand what I'm saying, like... I would default more to using this as a real testing ground, which is what an alpha is made for. And so having an open non-NDA alpha 2 makes me a little bit nervous because I fear that you might fall into that trap of having to convince people that this is a sales pitch of a completed game as opposed to the testing period, which is what I want them to use this for. And that actually brings brings a really good point with um, with the way that players are going to react to it. I think one of the one of the biggest things is that testers also need to understand that they have a responsibility too. If you get into Alpha 2, yes, you, you've you paid to get into Alpha 2, but you do have the responsibility of at least understanding that this game is not complete. You are testing game systems for them. You are trying to provide feedback so that they can make sure these things are ready for the launch title. So 
your feedback is essential to helping that development. So I just, I personally think that that is my responsibility as a consumer coming into an alpha to regard or any test phase of a game, regardless of whether or not I've paid for it or not. I would, I, that is just my, it's my civic duty <laughs> to give them the best feedback possible and possible solutions to problems. Yeah. I mean, it so. just makes everyone's experience better, right? I'll never forget when we were doing the new world show. I was, I've never been so proactive in reporting bugs ever in my life. I felt like every 30 minutes, you know, you were reporting, 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 not because like, please fix this. It was, I want this to be the best possible experience possible when it comes to launch. And, you know, I like that what you said, Sonny, that every tester truly does have a responsibility and something to remember. The fact that we are here to test, we're here to build upon it. And truthfully, we're here to help. The other side of it is to we're help. We're here to help Intrepid realize their vision in Ashes of Creation. And ultimately, it's going to be exciting either way. I think it is too. There, there are a couple, a couple other points. I think, uh, and I know that they're going to have these things in place, but um, you know, the hopefully the servers have been load tested. I think, and this is probably part of it. They're going to need to to load test those servers, um, and they're going to need to have some kind of response team in place, some kind of support team or messaging good ways to message the testers so the testers understand like, hey, if server's got to come down, we're going to load in a new build, those kind of things. So communication, I think, is huge. The other thing, which if you've watched the development of Ashes at all, you know that they're very, very good at this, but that is data collection. Mm. You have to be able to have good, solid systems with good backbones in place to collect the data that you need in order to start implementing balance into the game. Because that in itself, balance in itself, a, if I was a developer for Intrepid, um, which I don't know the first thing about being a developer, but if I was just from an outsider's perspective, the word balance with a game that is this ambitious would probably give me reflux. <laughs> Yeah, you're not sleeping a lot if the word balance is going through your dreams. No. I mean, no. that's a lot. So, I mean, truthfully, like, and, and off that, do you think that it could, it can ever be truthfully balanced? Or can any MMO, for that matter, really be balanced? No. It's an ebb and flow. I think that balance is, it is a balance of the balance, if that makes any sense at all. But that's how it makes sense in my head. You just have to deal with what's in front of you right now. It's the same reason that every season in a game, and of course the one that comes to mind with the most experience is going to be World of Warcraft, but every season the, the way that classes are balanced changes. So one season a, a balanced druid could just be at the, at the very top of that tier list and just pumping out mo more DPS than anybody else. Nobody can touch it. And then the very next season... It's mid road or bottom of the list because challenges or because changes have been made in order to balance that class out a little bit. And it is just going to be a constant ebb and flow of trying to keep things as balanced as possible. Maybe that's a better term as balanced as possible. Well, it's a moving target, right? MMOs are, are living, breathing things. They they move all the time. And so it is not just 
Um, it is not just one thing that you can point at and say, how close can we get to this target? Because the target is always changing. And so you have, you have a lot of things going on. Vladis in the chat said, you know, he thinks that you should balance the economy more than you should balance the classes. He's not wrong. I mean, there are mm-hmm. a number of things and there are plenty of examples that we can think of where one system broke a game. Right. And it, it, it sometimes it's the economy. Sometimes it's the classes. Sometimes it's the travel or like the maps or the PVP. You know, the way that the, the world rearranges itself was just broken. I can think of New World, for example, the whole map was green one time. Right. Like that has nothing to do with the economy. That has nothing to do with the classes. That was like a broken system inside a system on how the world rearranged itself based on PVP. And that really broke the game for me. And that is like not something that I would have expected. So like with MMOs, you have many, many systems that are all moving and flowing at the same time. And you're trying to put a pin in this milkshake of a game and get it to stay still. Right. Like it's just (laughs) impossible. Um, But they're going to do their best. And that's the uh, that's all you can have is. it's just do your best on this kind of stuff and, and we'll see how it goes. And some things will will rise to the top as being the most important issues to deal with at the time. So I think oftentimes, too, going off that, Sonny, I can't tell you how many times I have, especially recently, if you're I mean, if you're an MMO player, anything like me, you're you're on YouTube and naturally other games come up, whether it's news about X, Y, Z announcements for xyz whatever in the video i was watching it, it was about i think it was actually about warcraft pvp at the time or maybe it was eso I, I don't know but it was recent and they were talking about how and they used the verbiage specifically the balance is in a pretty good place right now like kind of going back to initially what cash said as well it is it's 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 an ebb and flow and really you're only going to be able to get it so good before you affect something else you know i think the only way truthfully like because it comes down to really it comes down to pve and pvp really when you look at it when you consider balance what i have seen games do that i'll be honest i kind of like it but i i don't know how i feel about it completely is when they will make adjustments, but these adjustments are only made for PvE or only made for PvP. So the moment that you enter like a battleground, let's just say for Warcraft, these abilities are changed a little bit statistically. When I'm back in PvE, these are changed a little bit differently. Do you think there's room in that for Ashes? Oh, I don't like that at all. I don't like that. I I don't like that change at all, right? Like, because that takes... I don't like it when my character does something different in PvE versus PvP. That completely ruins the immersion for me. I want my character to be my character. I want them to be able to do things that they can do all the time. I don't want to have to think about when I'm fighting a monster, I can do this. But when I'm fighting another player, I can do this. And I can't do that. That is crazy talk to me. So like you said, like you, you that's, that's not something that feels natural to you for a reason. You just don't do that. That's a... That's a I don't I, I, I'm going to be careful with my language here, but I feel like that's a cop out way to change something to try to achieve balance. Mm. You don't think that's normal, but you think picking flowers in a battleground's OK? Look, <laughs> sometimes the just the, the, the corpses and the blood and the dirt spawn beautiful things out of it's a circle of life cash. This is the circle of life. And in battlegrounds, the poppies grow thick. 
<laughs> I just picture yeah. the Lion King instead of holding up little Simba, he's holding up a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> I'm holding up a bag with a dollar sign on it. <laughs> oh man, someone in chat, please make that. Oh my gosh, that'd be hilarious. Oh goodness. So yeah, Alpha Two Gentlemen 2024, and of course everyone listening, we will continue to follow this and keep you updated. So gentlemen. The main discussion of the day, and it's kind of funny we're doing this because I know we've all talked about it, Cash and I, specifically on the 1v1 podcast recently. Our impressions on the world development update live stream. This coming to us from the, actually, the video we're going to be referencing is going to be on their official page over on YouTube. And, of course, for anyone who watched it live on Twitch. Gentlemen, this was a large system, and we were kind of wondering what they were going to do when it led up to this world event stream, there's a million different things they could have chosen to do. And what we saw, we saw ourselves back in the um, High Women Hills. And Cash, you know, you and I were talking about this uh, over the phone today. And it just, it looked good. It looked good. It did. I was, uh, I was pretty excited. I went through and, and watched, I probably watched the, um, I probably watched the video a few times. And I, I went through with a, a fine tooth comb. And I was just really I was really impressed with with the way that the system is going to work because it's just one example of several different scenarios that can take place. Um, and I, the thing that I loved about it so much is that they they just intertwined it with things that were happening in the world. And I have some examples for that. So it was Stephen, Clayton, Scott, and Imi that uh, that were the developers that ha- that had worked on this, and they were with Stephen, and they were. They were going through, I think it was a Riverlands again, weren't they in between Carfin and Carfin and another location? Yeah. Winstead. Thank you. Winstead Winstead. and Carfin. So they were in they were in the Riverlands. You could see Carfin off in the in the background. It was it was just really, really cool. So they had already said that the the predicates to to kick off this world event were gonna be player activity in the area. So they started they started killing web weavers, which is pretty freaking cool. I actually got a, a pretty good laugh at it because Clayton full panicked. <laughs> he full on panicked when the web weaver went from the sword and board and just by, completely bypassed him and went straight for Clayton, who is a mage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, ah! <laughs> That was a beautiful <laughs> moment. <laughs> it was super classic. Exactly what a clothy would do. It just made me, made me laugh. <laughs> just a full scream. I'm wearing tissue paper! <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway, it's, um, they started talking, while they were fighting these web weavers, they started talking a little bit about what actually triggers these events, and they called those predicates and the things that there were several things within the game that would trigger this so like player activity which is what they were doing in the video uh just different kills uh resources being harvested or possibly like over harvested different story arcs as you as the players get through some of these story arcs it could trigger some of these events trade caravans relationships between nodes and the state of your node period so if your node is doing really well it might trigger one of these events. If your node isn't doing well, it could trigger some of these events. So I just, I love that. So anyway, they get, they start getting down the road a little bit and something pops up, popped up on the screen that let them knew that the predicate for that story or for that uh, event had been met. And it just said new event nearby. So as soon as that happened, you get like a little, you get a little pop-up on your mini map that shows you where that new event is. And it's like, 
kind of like Guild Wars 2 style that I really, I really like that because that is such a cool freaking system in Guild Wars 2. There are events everywhere and they're incredibly reactive to things that are, that are going on. So I just, I absolutely love that. So anyway, they start going down the road and sure as heck, there's smoke showing. Sonny, I know you know that phrase, smoke showing. There's this big plume of smoke that's coming up. And they go down there, and there are a bunch of highwaymen attacking a Grayshore trading caravan and, like, my lore nerd sword. I was so stoked. Oh, the the Grayshore. So this was something that I asked you. And if you want to give us, can you give us uh, 15 to 30 seconds on a Grayshore trading caravan? Absolutely. So the Grayshore Trading Company is, and this is this is lore nerd time. You can put on your foil hats. Um the Grayshore Trading Company is, uh, it's, they've been around forever, like pre, uh, pre the fall, they were, they were present on Sanctus. And then when everybody came back through the portals from Sanctus to repopulate Vera after all those millennia, the Grayshore Trading Company, of course, they had their representatives and they made the Grayshore Trading Company the number one transporter seller of goods and sales or of uh, uh, goods and services all over Vera. So it's it that's why it just the lore thing really really got to me when I saw that that was the title it was a Great Shore Trading Caravan. Was that 30 seconds? Did I actually make it? You actually did pretty good <laughs> there. That's not bad. That's like a true radio spot, right? Like you, you, when you, the producer throws it to you, you've got 30 seconds to talk about yeah. the Great Shore Trading <laughs> Company. <laughs> it's like in your little earpiece you're like, "Oh god." <laughs> I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And we're out, and the music for the commercial kicks in, I right? I get done, I'm like, and sing. Oh, the great the gray short training oh. company is so good because it reminds me so much, and this is like we're going way back into the personal history here. This reminds me of like the making of the country of Canada. So I grew up in Canada, and Canada was entirely built off of the fur trading industry. Okay, it was the Hudson Bay Company and the Northwest Company. And those two companies built the entire country of Canada, more or less by going all the way west and setting up trade posts with the military. So it makes so much sense as a Canadian to hear that a trading company busted through the doors of the portal and was like, we'll explore this. Monsters, (laughs) who gives a crap? (laughs) We are first in there to put a flag down and say, this is our corner. And it, it just, it tracks perfectly. So the the thought of the Grayshore Trading Company being like, you know, mapping new dangerous places is a hundred percent resonating with me as as uh, an expatriate Canadian. So uh, the the whole event was was really well done. It was funny. It was it was well executed. I love the fact that it wasn't sold as you need to do the following successful things in order to trigger an event, right? The events sometimes get triggered for you doing the following unsuccessful things. <laughs> and, the, you know, a series of different things can cause different events, which is more like what you would get out of the real world is 
sometimes things just go bad. And if they go bad enough times in a row, then something really bad is going to happen. And that was kind of the mindset. Like sometimes things go really well for a bunch of times in a row and something really great happens as a result of that. So it, it seems like it's a more dynamic world when you, when you have those kind of things, the, uh, the combat and the, the, the way the whole thing worked was kind of a secondary part for me. I wasn't like super, super interested in that because again, like I'm not, I, I like watching the teams work together, but it wasn't a showcase on that. It was more of a showcase on on how these kind of world events can pop up. And and Cash brought up Guild Wars 2. It's a great example, right? It just had that feeling, that good feeling uh, when you have something like that. So at the end of this, and there was a lot of things that happened in between, you know, beginning to end, of course. But at the end, one of the things that I really found funny was players are, I mean, they're talking to the NPC who is very calm. You know, I mean, like, he's relieved. Meanwhile, his caravan is still legitimately burning to the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale Good of 1 Lord. to 10, with our resident fireman here, gentlemen, please tell me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much did that bother you? 12. <laughs> it bothered me 12. It bothered me 12. It was so ridiculous. This guy is like, thank you so much for helping me out in this time of need as he's standing in front of all of his life's work on fire <laughs> still on fire still actively burning exactly at the oh. same rate as when they started the whole thing like i wanted to be i wanted the guy to be like thank you so much now can we address the root cause of the problem here sonny did you notice oh. I, I do i got a few things on this because i knew that this was going to be a point of contention and folks if, if you didn't know sonny and i are both are both career firefighters. So this, this had a very special place in our heart. Uh, first of all, seeing the smoke plume and then getting there and we take care of the problem or they take care of the problem. And that thing is still freaking burning. It was driving us crazy <laughs> while they were talking and just talking about the systems and, Oh yeah, well the next wave is coming. And meanwhile, this guy's life work is burning up behind him. We're just like, Ooh. You know, as the as the unofficial fire marshals of Vera, we need some better fire extinguishment equipment installed on these caravans, and possibly the Grayshore Trading Company needs to step up its R and D because things need I, to happen. There needs to be some remedial training on like on the priorities of a rescue, also, right? Like, yes. I get it. I, the exciting part is the monsters. We get that. But the real issue here is the fact that this guy's caravan is still on fire and you guys think that you've done enough to oh. celebrate with beers at the tavern. Job's not done yet, guys. <laughs> still on fire. Imagine how that goes. They're all clinking beers together right in front of the burning caravan. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy the guy comes in covered in soot, carrying like the the, the charred splinters of what he had to to sell to that town. You, oh, you it was just a tragedy. It. Thank you so much. I appreciate you risking your life, but my stuff is burnt to the ground. <laughs> Not one of you had a blanket. <laughs> oh, I love this. Firebranded uh, chat says maybe a Kalar named Fire Marshal Bill couldn't hurt. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's got Firebrand. Hey, welcome, man. Um, so uh, I, do, I got a couple other things. So, Sonny, did you note? Did you note that the the um, attacking mobs? One of them was named the Highwayman Arsonist. 
I did not see that. Yes, and I don't know if they were like mages or I'll have to look back at the mechanics again to see if they were throwing, just throwing things or if they were like casting fire mage type spells. I'll have to go take a look at it, but... Oh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I know <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? It would be awesome. Um, this did bring up some ideas, though, that I, that I had. And it was specifically this I know is, is kind of funny to talk about because it drove us nuts. But it did bring this up. What if adding actually extinguishing the fire was part of the event? So say you're, you're in a lull in between waves You've killed the first wave of high women that came in, and now you have the second wave that's that's coming in at some point. So they were taking some time to set down to reset traps on the road because they mm-hmm. knew something else was coming in the next wave. What if part of that is you have you have to make sure that you save some of the caravan members' lives so you can heal them? But what if mm-hmm. extinguishing that fire was also part of it? And that fire gets progressively worse. All the way, and it, it lowers your rewards. It's it's a thought. This is fantastic, right? Like, you are going to be rewarded by whom at the end of this thing? The guy yes. with the caravan. If his caravan is burnt to cinders because right. you were standing around having beers afterwards, then maybe he can't give you the rewards that you were maybe looking for. Exactly. What if you, ha- what if you had in between the things, like it actually changed the dynamics of the next attack. If you were putting out the caravan and stuff, then maybe these guys were less aggressive towards you, but more aggressive towards the caravan because that was their goal was to burn down the caravan, not to take out a bunch of people. Exactly. And what happens if, if say, say the animations of the caravan change to where it adds flame spread? So now the fire's getting, it's getting worse. Like, hey, is anybody paying attention? And then my thought was in, in a lot of, in a lot of RPG games like the clerics, if the rogues can possibly find hidden doors in dungeons, why couldn't a cleric have some kind of a create water spell? Clerics, they have those. And that could be something that you pick when you go on caravans to put out caravan fires. I'm just I'm just saying this is wall of crazy stuff. I fully understand. I think for me, it, I would love to see that as a bonus. So like at the end they got they got one wool or Steven did uh, like maybe a possibility two or three wool if water buckets imagine them being there at the time of this and a person mounts up runs to a lake to fill the water buckets up brings it back extinguishes the fire they get extra bon- chance for bonus loot yeah absolutely. I mean and that's like that makes total sense right like that that tracks perfectly RP wise it'd be a great mechanic it would be fantastic. Um, I'm going to move on to one other thing that I thought was super interesting in this, uh, and that is their reference of the heat map. I thought that that was cool. Um, now, I don't know if this is one of those things that it's just because I'm not a developer, and maybe this is like a very common thing in development, but it wasn't like very specific things that would trigger events as much as they had this complicated sort of AI-developed heat map of the overall activity in areas and so it kind of made me sit back and think like okay they're thinking in the big picture of things so that like one person you know doesn't create an event that just obliterates him because oh you've spawned a 120 person raid of this caravan and you're like 
I I literally just killed a spider. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why this happened. I don't, I'm clearly not prepared for this. I don't want any part of this fight. (laughs) So they have, you know, these kind of things. Uh, And so if you have like 10 people doing things, well, that's going to be a little bit more heat. And if you have 25 people doing stuff, that's going to be a lot of heat. And so then the the activity of the mobs in the area is going to go uh, a little bit more nuts. And so that was just, it was just something that they mentioned that kind of made me think like okay these guys kind of get it as far as the the way to scale difficulty and the way to make something feel interactive because you you never enjoy event if it's way too easy and you never enjoy event if it's punishingly hard so it has to fit in that nice medium range yeah i agree you know you hit on a good point you talk about interactive and i what i really like about these world events is how when you ride up on an event anybody who shows up can click to join the raid group for the, the for the event, the event raid group. Anyone can roll up and do that and can choose to join. And then it will keep you in that group after you're done. And so if players want to continue questing together, they want to keep pushing content together, you really have that option for a very community-driven, interactive experience. And, you know, you it, it just really brings about the, the whole notion of, of uh, community involvement. And one of the other things that I really like, and you guys kind of... You guys kind of already hit on it earlier, but I wanted to make mention of it again. Every server is going to be different in this regard alone. Number one, heat maps. Number two, whether or not you succeed at these events. Because think about it. Server A has failed at all their events. They are having a rough time. The morale's low. Sonny's there and his taxes are stupid high because he wants to make money. I mean, he well, is just. The I'm doing biggest, great. He's the. <laughs> he's got gold plated diapers, but you know, I don't know what your problem is, <laughs> peon. So, so you know, like they're struggling. Eat cake. They're, eat cake. That's right. So they failed at all their events, and then one massive event pops up because of their failures of all these events. Where you have server B, everything's going well. The, the all these small events, they're crushing it. Cash is king. He has low taxes because he's not wearing gold plated diapers. And that's how. <laughs> so it's just and, and meanwhile, all these events are taking place in completely different places. So it's just the the fact this stream to me, and then Cash, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, open it up for you. But like this stream for me really represented community or server identity and community choice. Servers will always be different. Community choice in this will always be different as to what they choose to get involved in. And so, Sonny, you can just about bet on no server having the same experience. Yeah, and Margaret mentioned that. Margaret mentioned that uh, that no two servers will be identical. So when she says... When she says that, like, it's not a stretch in my mind. Like, of course, they're not going to be identical. You're going to have different things that are being going on at different times. And uh, the chat mentioned, that, like, I hope these events don't happen all the time. And I agree with that. I think that if you have these kind of things happen rare, then you might even get that cool sort of like server to server interaction where like what somebody says like, oh, I heard on this server that they spawned this because their mayor like gave everyone donuts on Fridays and all of a sudden like the people revolted uh, from the cake industry and they just charged the streets and you had to defend the the donut makers or something like that and you know stuff like that it would just be like a super cool thing and so they they did mention that like the uniqueness of server to server but that wasn't a surprise to me you know everything about this says that servers are going to be unique. Yeah, and uh, Bergen made mention too that they they mentioned in that there's going to be varying levels of importance for all these events too. Um, 
and this parlays real well into one thing that I saw that I absolutely loved. I, I caught this and I really, really dug it. At one point, there, the event morphed a little bit once it went from that uh, from the smaller group into the raid group and it got more difficult on the fly. And I thought that was super cool. And the reason it was getting more difficult was because more highwaymen were coming in from the north. So they mentioned, actually, Stephen, Stephen, like, transitioned into this very, very, very well. But he said, you know, these highwaymen are coming from the north. Like, what's going on up there? And the way it was explained is the highwayman's stronghold was to the north. So it's written into the AI of the game that they're going to come from that direction. I don't know if they're just appearing in the forest and, and coming down the hill or if they're actually traveling from. Oh, wow. From the stronghold to this event. And uh, the next thing that was mentioned was that until the players deal with that story arc in the area, because the high women have been raining hell in that area, it's going to continue to be an issue. And I just I just stopped for a second and started to think that through. And I was like, that is AI in a game system that is super interesting. Players having to deal with story arcs. Otherwise, they're going to run into problems like this. And the highwaymen are probably going to be a theme in these wave events that's that spawn in the area until that story arc is settled. And I just gushed over it. Super cool. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like your gameplay sessions. Hey, dude, what do you want to do tonight? Dude, let's go try for the stronghold. Let's try to wipe these dudes out and see what happens. You know, like the, the idea of just doing random for the sake of random actually plays a part in the world here, which is totally different. Like if I go in New World or if I go in Warcraft and kill seven mobs in a certain stronghold, no one's going to give two craps. If it's ESO, I'm still the Dovahkiin. The people will respond and everything will be just fine. <laughs> you are not the Dovahkiin. <laughs> you are not the Dovahkiin. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it means nothing. But here, it's, and this is where I feel like Ash's creation in a lot of ways, and this was something when we talked about on the 1v1 podcast with Vladis, was I almost feel like when I sit in my seat for three weeks off of work when this game launches and I want to play, I have weeks. <laughs> hey man, yeah, I'm, what are you I'm, doing? I'm, yeah, bro. <laughs> Lightweight. <laughs> I'm retiring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just like when I sit down and I play, I feel like I'm going to literally have to reformat my brain as to what a MMORPG truly means. Because when I when things like this matter. Well, then it raises a question, well, what else matters? What else can I do? Yeah, what should I do today, right? All of a sudden, that becomes like a pretty big question, right? Yeah, absolutely. Try to take over the world, Pinky. (laughs) Same thing we do every day. (laughs) I think a lot of this um, is is reminiscent of some of the same systems that they had in, in Guild Wars 2. And we have those discussions, too, uh, with Guild Wars 2, where those those events that took place in the world, they changed quest lines. It changed uh, it changed the dynamics of some areas because there were things that players were would have to handle in these events. And if they failed, it progressed. Yeah. And the whole situation would progress. And I really hope. 
I hope that's where they're getting some of this. Or if it's, you know, if this is like their own brainchild, then it's amazing. Uh, and it's very reminiscent of that system in Guild Wars 2 that we we loved. It did make the world feel alive. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So one last thing I kind of want to bring up with you guys is the event examples. Uh, the fact that we can, different types of events, I know it was already kind of mentioned, but it's kind of want to hit on again. Funerals. What? I don't know what that's going to be like. Yeah, funerals. Was that mentioned? Yeah, it was mentioned. <laughs> Greg has died. We need to pay respects to Fire we, Marshal Greg. We all loved Greg. He died in the fire, the caravan, the people didn't put it out. He, he didn't a make fire it. fatality? Greg died in that fire and they <laughs> still didn't put We're it out? We're going to need again. a full-on investigation. Was this like, was I confusing that caravan with like a Jedi pyre? <laughs> yeah, his, what's going on His there? brother's in the burn ward. It's terrible. Uh, Greg. So we got Greg who's dead now. We got to go to his funeral. That's not That makes thing. those post-fire beers even worse. Nobody yeah. taught him to stop dropping rolls. <laughs> So you've got funerals, you've got puzzles, and of course fights like we saw. Now, there was a question posed on, by the way, there's more than that, but that's what they listed. So there was a question posed on Twitter as of the day of us getting together to do this. What kind of events, what style of events would you guys like to see? Not funerals. (laughs) (laughs) Can I start with that? Absolutely. Jesus. Funerals? Like, okay, maybe I missed the boat on this and didn't read the show notes correctly enough. But funerals? No. Oh. Come on. Let's let's bring it back a notch here, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh yeah, like events, there's there's all sorts of stuff. Like it's uh there's there's definitely there's definitely things in the world that I think are, are are more cool than others, but like I'm all about the super creative things, right? Like I want the surprise. I, I love the events that happened in Guild Wars 2 that were surprises to me. The low-hanging fruit is I got a caravan and it needs to go from A to B, and oh no, bandits attacked it, right? But like the cool stuff was sometimes when you just ran into an NPC and she, you know just starts talking to you and wandering out of town and telling you a story and you're like all of a sudden you're just following her along and then she goes into a cave and you're just like well she's like halfway through a story i can't just like leave her alone and she went into this cave so i guess i gotta go in there and then something happens you know those are the kind of cool things that that i'm always with so when it comes to events like i'm i'm kind of like i want to order the chef surprise where i don't i don't want to see the event coming i don't want to be traveling down the road and expect the event to happen i am more interested when the event takes me by surprise and then i'm sucked into a story that i was not expecting those are always the things that i talk about with other people it's not the simple things it's not the things that i generated knowing i could generate them it's the events that happen that surprise me that's how guild wars 2 did it and i i absolutely love that i think personally and i'm just going to throw this one out there because you could give examples of all kind of all kinds of things where you have to help a village or you have to go harvest certain materials or, you know, deliver stuff from point A to point B. I would love to see one of these events that revolves around a fishing competition. Ooh. Oh, I like that. Yes. And like all the players in the area go for it. And it's literally a contest. 
you have prizes for the smallest fish caught and prizes for the biggest fish caught. And you just keep fishing until until the timer's done. And every time you, you reel one in, you gotta freaking lug your fish over to the over to the dude and he weighs it out. I think that would be super freaking fun, man. I'd be looking for those. Oh, I love yeah. that. Those that would be great. I love that. That and um I think it's, it goes without question saying holiday themed events that could, you know, yes. pop up. I mean, hol- uh, that'd be awesome for whether it's Halloween, you know, uh, with, I think those two are always famous with us, Demon particularly uh, if it's Halloween or Christmas. Like, we're all about it. It seems like in any MMO that we all play, when those two come around, we're like, oh, goody. <laughs> yeah, we stop so, everything and just play them. We get very excited for those holiday events. And and there's another one that Guild Wars 2 did extremely well. They did those holidays so good with the jumping puzzles and the stuff like that. And it was just, just great. Uh, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Cash. What? I was what? pointing to you because this one's right up your alley. Firebrand in chat. This is a great idea. NPC pirates en masse attacking your harbor or shipping caravans would be pretty cool. Enough so that you have to cobble together as many ships as you can to take care of the problem. Oh, oh. yes. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm pinning that to the wall of crazy firebrand. That's a really it. good point, though, right? Because you have the mechanics for water, whereas in a lot of other MMOs, you didn't have that. So depending on how much they have by the way of water-based, you know, gameplay, you could really come up with some cool stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, they've already really leaned into the whole concept of pirates, you know, with the water economy and stuff like that. So... That one seems like a real possibility. So mm. yeah, the events are the events are just up to the creativity level. But uh, stuff like fishing and holidays, just just easy easy money, right? You give us that, and we will buy it every time. Yep. Yeah. Jumping puzzles. Oh, yeah. Jumping puzzles. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I love. What did you say? I love sto- uh, quick facts or I love fun facts. facts. Fun, fun facts. facts. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping puzzles get the same reaction as fun oh. facts do. They get a ooh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> oh, friends. Well, this was episode 10 of Lore Forge. Thank you so much to everyone who's listening and everyone who joined us here for Lore Forge Live. We'll be doing this every week. And now on, you can come watch the live stream. Follow our social on Twitter to learn when. I believe next week we're going to be doing, uh, actually, if you're listening on release day, on Monday, we'll be doing October 10th. But anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to push play. If you enjoyed this show, we want to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing, what you like, what you didn't like, and all those fun things. For every written five-star review that we get on Apple Podcasts, we will read your review right here, live on the air. And you can always call us, leave your, if there was a question, maybe you have some comments on some of the things we talked about. You can always leave us a voicemail, 516-875-1776. Try to keep your voicemails around a minute or less if you want to play it on the show. And of course, you can always email us your questions. We'll answer right here in the mailbag segment. LoreForgeHQ at gmail.com. Sonny. You can go to loreforged.com to find the links to all of our Ashes of Creation content, which includes the YouTubes. Kelly loves it when I say the YouTubes. <laughs> I think I'm cool. <laughs> she does not. Visit a YouTube channel for all of our deep dives on lore and much, much 
much more. There is uh, plenty of stuff on the YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at loreforged. Also, you right now might be watching this on twitch.tv slash loreforgedhq. This was our first live episode. And like we've said many, many times before, once you flip that switch, it is on forever. And finally, Patreon. You can get all of our content uh, early on Patreon and much, much more, including our State of the Owl, which is our After Dark once a month episode. That's at patreon.com slash loreforgedhq cash. Join our Discord community. It's actually been really, really fun. We had some new members this week, including Alora Star, Gibbs Destroyer, who's in chat, and Drowler. Uh, everybody's welcome, including content creators. If you're a content creator, then come in. We will talk about it. It's going to be a super good time, and uh, we will eventually have a guild. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or the X. You can follow Jibs at Jibs IRL. I'm concentrating really hard to get Sonny's <laughs> right this time. You can follow me on Twitter at Cash Quests and follow Sonny at you of Coruscant. Most importantly, <laughs> don't forget to follow the show at Loreforged HQ. And friends, as we said before, November 4th, right here, twitch.tv forward slash Loreforged HQ is going to be a really fun time as we create a bit of TTRPG in Vera, live for you in benefit of the kids. So join us for Extra Life. Game day is November the fourth. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome for the kids. Oh, well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you right here on Lore Forge next week. Take care. Have a good one. Peace, love, and honeybees. So long, adventurers. <laughs>